Good evening, and welcome once again to the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church. We're glad to have you with us. This evening, we're going to be dealing again with the topic of finding the will of God. Now, the pastoral team is endeavoring to minister to the needs of the congregation in these days, and we all on both sides of this screen realize that we're in new territory with new challenges, new processes, and some new perceptions. But we still have the same God who's not affected by plagues or prosperity or any other problems. We've got still the same goal of living righteously here and making heaven our home. The same basic problem, which is our broken humanity, and ultimately the same solution of believing and obeying God. We're feeling away our way along on uh, this online and team approach. And uh, either would have been a challenge by itself but together, uh, they has, it's been quite a ride. Now, that's not a plea for sympathy. Uh, we're having a great time, and we're new, learning new things about God, about each other, and also about ourselves. We're learning to hear from God, both individually, which we've been doing anyway, and as a team, which is a new paradigm for all of us, we're gaining new insights on God, uh, who is so a God who's so organized and has so regimented the universe that it's possible for you to know the exact time of sundown, say, in Jerusalem. Any day of the year, five, 10, or even 50 years from now. And yet this same God can take over a planning meeting and change its direction and rewrite its agenda in the blink of an eye. Or who can change our wording in the middle of a recording session without our even realizing it many times. And he can do that just as easily as he made the sun stand still in Joshua 10. This is the same God I was serving when several years ago, my district superintendent called asking me to preach the opening night of district conference. That was about two months away. At the moment I hung up the phone, I suddenly had the scripture, the outline, most of the illustrations and the verbiage of the words for that message. I preached or taught nearly two or nearly three dozen times in between that call and the conference, but there was essentially no change in that message. Now that's the same God I was serving when a neighboring pastor called me, asked me to preach for him a a few weeks down the road. And in that instance, no matter how long and hard I prayed, 
I got nothing. No matter how much I studied for that service, the pages of my Bible may as well have been blank. No matter how much I thought, nothing gelled. I could come up with things for every other service in between, but that one remained a black hole, thinking rather than giving. Well, finally the day came and I got nothing. We drove down to Tulsa and I got nothing. We had a good worship service and during that worship service, I got nothing. We prayed. Oh, and during the prayer service, I got some more nothing. The uh, pastor introduced me. And while the introduction was going on, I got absolutely nothing. I stepped to the pulpit with no more than I had gotten all the other times. Well, I put my Bible down on the pulpit and let it fall open. I looked down, there were verses that were in front of me, and I preached a message that people who were in that service that night were still talking about more than 10 years later. Finding the will of God knowing ahead of time what's going to happen. I, I may not be the, the right one to, to do all of the talking about this very subject tonight, but if you ever figure out how God works and how all of this works, I will be eagerly awaiting your explanation. Just let me know when I want to hear. Now, We've selected this week's subject, at least in part, because of questions from some of our younger or newer members in the church. But no matter your age or experience, it's always a pertinent question. How do I know? How do I find the will of God? At my age and at my stage of ministry, I'm still actively seeking to find the will of God for what's left of my life. In many ways, I'm still just as clueless as I was at age 19 when I started preaching. God knows the plan, but I'm still trying to find and follow in his way. There's no way that seven years ago when I moved here that I could have imagined the scenario that we're living today. I thought I was going into semi-retirement and uh, would uh, just be sitting on a pew. Well, none of us have sat on pews for quite some time now. Uh, have too many details too early would probably scare us in to being frozen, 
I, I can't handle that. Well, if you don't know that you're going to have to handle it, then you can work through today getting to there. The Lord often gives us just enough for us to take the next step. Let's take a quick view of some of the ways that God can direct us. All guidance is by the Lord's Spirit, whatever the, the technique, but, but he uses different tools and techniques to work with us. First, and most obviously, is the Bible. That's the general guidebook letting us know the general will of God for all of humanity. Thou shalt not murder. Well, there's little need for long fasting and sincere, deep, agonizing prayer to find out the will of God about that one. It's just there. Just do what it says. Or in this case, don't do what it says don't do. Now, Joel 2 and Acts 2 let us know that God will sometimes speak to us in visions and dreams. He also speaks to us through his ministry and through godly counsel. There are times when he speaks directly to our minds, our spirits, or whatever terminology you want to use about it. And he'll tell us about his plan or what we should do or what he is going to do. All these things require with them that we learn to hear and recognize the voice of God as opposed to our own voice or distinct from other sources. Now, let's turn to the Word of God and examine what I wish to speak about tonight. In Genesis chapter 24, Abraham commissioned his servant to travel north to Haran uh, to find a bride for his son Isaac. And uh, having been directed by his master, the servant made that long trip and, and uh, arrived in the city where Abraham's relatives lived. So let's pick up the story in, in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 12, and I'll be using the King James Version throughout our lesson tonight. And uh, Genesis 24, 12 starts out this way in, in succeeding verses. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee. It's a good way to start. I pray. Send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city uh, come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. <clears throat> And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. 
and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass before he had done speaking that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now, let me give you just a side note here that uh, actually is not tied to this lesson, but if you want a closer look at uh, these family relationships, I have uh, a patri patriarchal genealogy chart that I've made that's available on my website at RoyLMoss.com. And you're welcome to go there and uh, take a look at it, copy it if you'd like. So back to the lesson. Rebecca did indeed water the servant's camels, quite a job, I'm sure, and identified herself as kin to Abraham. We pick up the story again in uh, Genesis chapter 24, uh, going down to verse 27. And he, speaking of Abraham's servant, said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. In that last sentence, lies the key to finding and knowing the will of God. First is the point, I being in the way. The servant was busy. He was doing something. And uh, he was working at the direction of his leader, his, his boss, his, his master. And God used the human initiative of someone, in this case, Abraham, to give instructions for this man to follow. And in carrying out his duty, he joined that great crowd of people who through the ages have been chosen and used of God while they were busy. Gideon was threshing grain. Moses and David were tending sheep. Amos was working on two jobs. Matthew was collecting taxes. The two sets of Galilean brethren's brothers were fishing. The Old Testament Saul was hunting his father's donkeys. And the New Testament, Saul was persecuting the church, but they were all busy. They were all doing something. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 tells us, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And it's a good general commandment for all of us. Whether we are busy with spiritual things or something else, we are more likely to be directed than if we're sitting on the couch just coasting. And uh, 
as I told one of the hippie converts back in the 1970s, the only way you can coast very far is if you're going downhill. Now, the inertia laws of physics teach us that a body in motion tends to stay in motion, and a body at rest tends to stay at rest. Practical experience lets us know that uh, it is easier to change the direction of a body of something if it is in motion. For an example, I've <clears throat> got a visual aid this evening, a little car that uh, was given to me uh, from Madagascar, a missionary trip. And uh, <clears throat> just to use an illustration, if a car is going down the road, it is easy to turn the wheel just a little and, and get it to steer in another direction. Because in motion, it's easy to turn the wheels whichever way you need them to go. Now, I was born and learned to drive in an era before there was power steering. I remember when uh, I overheard a conversation from my mother and my aunt talking about that they didn't want power steering and power brakes on the same car uh, because it might be that uh, you could turn the wheels too sharply and, and get it slowed down too fast so that you would roll the car. Well, we don't have that problem. Didn't have it then and certainly don't have it today. But back then, if you needed to turn the wheels of a car while it was sitting, you had to put a lot of muscle power into it to get those wheels, those tires to turn. But if you were going down the road, it didn't take nearly as much effort to get a change. Now, even if the car is sitting here and, and you change the direction it's sitting, you really haven't done much because it's just facing a different direction it's still not going anywhere. And that's the way it is in large part with a lot of people. It's illustrated in the scriptures here that God chose those who were already doing something many times. They were already busy and he could then guide their lives and direct them in the way he wanted to go. And that uh, that shows us that uh, God wants us to be busy. So let's go back to Genesis 24. The first rule of Genesis 24 is when you are given a job or an opportunity, get busy doing it. Well, I thought we were talking about the will of God. Well, this servant got in the will of God by doing what his master, his owner, commissioned him to do. I being in the way, doing something. And some of us are so afraid of making a mistake that we freeze up and miss the opportunities that are there if we can just be in the way. Let's look at that for a moment. I, I want to take a couple of fellows from that list that I gave you a, a few minutes ago. 
let's take a look at the two Sauls. Saul, the son of Kish, was looking for his father's donkeys when he crossed paths with Samuel. Saul never did find the donkeys. Somebody else brought them back. But he made the contact that made him a king. It wasn't a spiritual journey. Looking for donkeys never is. But nothing more important than finding donkeys was going to happen until it did. I being in the way. God can take the most ordinary thing and turn it to something very special while we are still looking for something we're not ever going to find anyway. Now Saul of Tarsus, on the other hand, was on a very spiritual mission, at least as he understood the situation. He was defending the purity of his religious tradition, which was ordained by angels, as he told us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19. When you're afraid of, of missing God by making any kind of mistake, please remember Saul in the dust of the Damascus Road. If you are in motion, God will probably be able to find a way to change your direction, even 180 degrees. Remember, that Apollos was also wrong. Now, not nearly as wrong as Saul. He was much closer to the, the truth, and he was very active in outreach. He was doing something, but still was in error by ignorance while he was in the way. Then Aquila and Priscilla told him the rest of the story. And, found in Acts 18, 24 through 26. Then the second rule that we find here in this story is derived from the Lord led me. The only ones that God can lead are those who are willing to follow. The Lord led Abraham's servant to the proper well at the proper time and gave him the proper prayer to pray. Though we may not always or even very often know it, God has an agenda for each of us. Sometimes we know we are being led. At other times, we only realize that we've been close on his heels when we reach the destination. If we but stay willing to follow, he will see that we get where we are supposed to be. We may not understand how we can follow without seeing his footprints all along the way ahead of us or signs posted on every side. We do have a promise that he is well able to handle the details as we find in Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord 
and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Verse 6. If we do what we can with what we know, he will take care of the rest of it. Trust means that we don't hyperventilate over all the details that we don't need to know. A long time ago, I decided that if God really needs to get through to me, he could use all sorts of communication channels. Or his word, a message, a dream, a vision, an impression, a voice, all sorts of things that he can change my direction, fine-tune my going, let me know what he wants me to do. If nothing, nothing comes through on any of those avenues, then I assume I must not be too far off the track. Now, I've been told that when we sent men to the moon, they were off course over, well over, 90% of the time. But with multiple minor course corrections, they got where they were going. God's the only one that's perfect. We're, we're not going to take every step exactly in place, but he can, he can guide us with minor course corrections to where he needs us to be, where he wants us to go. We don't need to be like a whining child in the back seat, constantly asking, are we there yet? I finally got to, place, to the place with my kids, my grandkids, church kids, whoever. And when I got that question, my answer became, let's make a deal. You quit asking that question. And when we get there, I will stop the car and we'll get out. As long as we're still moving, we're not there yet. Trust in him. Let me sum it all up. Genesis 24 gives us two important parts of knowing the will of the Lord. First, as I was going, the Lord led me. And number two, I followed. Can we pray? Dear God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, help us that we would trust your guidance even when we do not really feel your touch. Help us to realize that we generally cannot see your fingerprints until after you move your hand off the situation. Help us to stay busy with what we are assigned and what we find to do. Calm our fears of missing your will by reminding us of the times when we only saw your guidance at the end of the journey. Lord, we want to trust that you will nudge us correct us, and block us if we get too far off the path. We know you love us and want to provide us the opportunity to be involved in kingdom work. 
Help us to relax in you and to wait on your mighty works. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us this evening. Now, go get in the way and let God lead you. Good night.